Welcome, data people. We are Zuma. My name is Matt, and this is the Data for Good podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Zuma. Zuma is a dedicated recruitment company focusing on data positions across Berlin. The Data for Good podcast is for the world of data science, analytics, and engineering, giving you a platform to hear the thoughts and opinions of data leaders from Berlin and beyond. Today, we are joined by Christina Blanco, data platform lead at Order Benny. Christina, Hi, welcome. Matt. How are Thank you? you. Very fine, very fine. Thank you. Awesome. Um, for those who don't know, can you give us a, a quick introduction? Sure. Um, I'm Christina. I'm originally from Barcelona in Spain, uh, but located in Berlin for a long time. Um, I've been working in data since 2015. Um, I started as an analyst um, trying to uncover many things at the beginning for our business, especially related to sales operations marketing um, when our business was still very early on. So also like a lot of building up uh, the infrastructure. And then I started specializing in BI around 2017. And mm -hmm. um, after three years um, doing everything related to BI, I took over our team of BI back in the days. And um, yeah, we did everything related to our data infrastructure, growing our team. So growing from very few people uh, self-owned and maintained data warehouse and a very small reporting tool to then growing to a bigger team, a mm -hmm. lot of adoption that we have right now. And um, yeah, a very good stage we are at the moment. And uh, yeah, right now um, I take care of the data platform team. So that's related to everything related to our data infrastructure, basically. Amazing. Um, a lot of wisdom for us to tap into uh, today. It's, a, it's an honor to have you on. So today we're going to, we're here to talk about empowering users. So to start off with, what, what do we mean by that? Well, empowering users, um, I think it's one of the main challenges for any data team, right? Because um, ultimately we all have resources in our data teams. I think everybody can relate to this. Unfortunately, we don't have unlimited uh, resources or huge teams to take care of everything related to data. And as um, data grew more and more and the needs for the companies uh, or the companies have for data grow as, as well, um, there is also a need to be able to empower the users, right? Um, because we found ourselves in the past on a stage where the data team had to take care of every type of request, right? And that was mm -hmm. taking on much of our time. And that limits as well the type of quality projects that you can do as an expert, right? Um, if you have to do everything related to that. So empowering users ultimately is first a way of empowering everybody who's not necessarily on the data team or it mm -hmm. might be empowering analysts, right? Empowering other tech people, but also empowering people who really have no knowledge about data, which is a big challenge, right? <laughs> there is the, the knowledge gap, but enabling everybody who's working at our office, right? Uh, right now, I really value that when I go through the office, I see many people who are using our reports on a daily basis, right? And mm -hmm. we're able to come to the office and then check whatever you need to do, if it's supply chain, marketing, whatever you need to do, that you're able to look into your numbers and mm -hmm. also go one level more from that, which is if you need something else, which is not there, that you can also build it by yourself and you have something available for you, which you also understand and are confident using. So that's a bit, for me, the definition is uh, that our front-end users are able to build the mm -hmm. base things or the medium even things. 
and that then the data team can really take care of the things that are the most complex things, definitely, that, you know, need like data integration, um, like yeah. strong data modeling and so on, that these things go for the data team and everybody else can take care of their own in the day-to-day. So it sounds like the goal is to kind of offboard the simple tasks by educating the, the business users so that data experts can really get into the complex tasks. Yes, and also that people understand in a way what am I looking at, that they really engage with the data, that they mm-hmm. understand what they have in front of them, and they also don't have the need anymore to ask us all the time, how is this KPI calculated? What does this mean? What's the difference between these and these? Because they really understand what's behind it. So that they really are empowered and confident in knowing I know what I'm looking at with these KPIs as well. Mm-hmm. Obviously, self-service is kind of a term that's interchangeable right, mm-hmm. with this. Who's driving it? Where where does this initiative need to come from? So... um. For us, it started very much from our data team. I think um, at some point we saw we need to invest time really in designing something that works for everybody, Mm -hmm. for the simplest user, right? Uh, That we have tools and policies in place that enable everybody in this company to be able to do what they need to do with the data. Because we have wonderful data, we have very good data. We we might have like the best data out there, but ultimately, if our end users are not using it, mm-hmm. for me, we're failing a bit as a team. And it's not that the team's fault, but ultimately, yeah. if we are putting a lot of hours in building things and these things, they are not used ultimately by the business, I feel we are not achieving all the potential we could do together as well. So we we started driving it, uh, yeah. but of course you also need to have a committed business side on the other end, right? Um, it's a two-way street. You cannot drive this alone. You might have initiatives, but you definitely need some people on board with you that also will make sure that people jump along the way on this journey with you. Mm-hmm. How was it received initially from well from the data team working with the business team? A lot close, more closely, and how was it received in the business team to become more technical? We we're lucky that we are very eager people and curious people. Definitely, one learning was that you will always find key players along mm-hmm. the way. Every team were extremely motivated. It might be not all of them, but are extremely motivated. They know a lot. They want to take some SQL courses, right? So we also unlock some power users along the way that. Mm-hmm became half analyst as well in a longer okay. development. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but you will definitely uh, find people who are very motivated within these teams that can also help you understand as well um, what's going on within these teams as well. Or these people can also be if there is like dedicated data analysts which are specialized in each of the teams, right? Um, yeah. These people that can help you a lot in this journey because they understand the team, they understand their their day-to-day, their need for data or not, right? Mm-hmm. How don't overwhelming them, right? So how do we bring them value, but also not put them into trainings, which are like way too much, like really find something that works very well for them. It's functional yeah. and you can really take key learnings as well. That, that's interesting. So if someone is listening to this and thinking, oh, we're not making use of power users, how how did you identify the, the ones who become 
the valuable power users? Uh, well, I I have been very long at my company, so <laughs> I think like part of the job as a data lead is also to be very connected to everybody. Mm -hmm. Really know who's uh, ultimately you know because it's many of the people that are always asking for many requests, right? Uh, so there is certain people that you feel they have very high need for data overall, mm -hmm. right? They have like very strong requests. Um, there is a lot of people, for example, where you see they're using Excel a lot, right? So um, that they're using like advanced things, but maybe not, uh, they are using like some reporting tool to a certain extent. Um, so we also try to divide when we started doing the data literacy strategies, we tried to divide what are basic users. So people mm -hmm. that are really not expected to build stuff because they use our reporting tool to check some reports and that's it. And that's also fine. Mm -hmm. What are like the normal users, which is people that use our reports and we can teach them how to build basic stuff and who are our power users, which is people that we are going to take as well, kind of as ambassadors, you know, and yeah. like that they also give us input as we are planning all of these things. So if you can get some of these power users on board, um, and I've met always somebody who was always very excited in some team and was more on the analytical side that wanted yeah. to be incorporated. Um, so definitely these people give you many like very strong business insights that are super valuable in the end. Mm -hmm. it, it sounds like there's so many upsides to empowering the users and, and self-service. What are the trade-offs? What what limitations are there? Well, we once we rolled out, we saw a huge increase of adoption. Mm -hmm. So it definitely we put a lot of thoughts into what do we want to achieve, what what is not self-service as well? So what are things that we will say no when they come as requests, right? Like, right. is this entitled for, what do we define here? What's the data infrastructure we need to support this? How do we make this sustainable over time? Um, how can we make this efficient as well? And what mm -hmm. things are we going to prevent so that this doesn't stop being like sustainable over the years as well? Yeah. Um, and then, of course, we went into all the trainings and designing our strategy for data literacy as well. So the outcome of this in the end was a big boost of adoption over the company, right? Because then we had many people that suddenly understood the data sets. They understood that first, I think their first fear, the number one thing we learned in the trainings was many people were not doing things because they were afraid to break stuff. And I think okay. the moment we took away that fear, Mm -hmm. A lot of them started playing a lot more with things. So they had a big, huge respect for, I'm not sure about doing this because maybe I break the original source, whatever, right? Yeah. So there is a knowledge from their side. So once we put this fear away and we kind of tell them, hey, we are behind you, you know, like if you get stuck, we're here and so on. And um, then this, this led to big adoption and to people calculating their own things doing super great reports that have been running for four years now and mm -hmm. we have 200 people looking at them every day um, yeah. so definitely had really good outcomes um, and then of course on the challenge side when you empower people and give more freedom you always have the trade-off that it can come down to data anarchy right so that mm -hmm. people do things which are not so qualitative people start naming their own KPIs as they want right they calculate something which is totally different from what we have centrally 
um, they might do something which is uh, just not qualitative enough, right? So where there is actually mistakes and they don't know about it. Uh, yeah. Some people run things and then, right, everybody thinks it's okay. That's not the case. So of course, um, this can lead for sure for the trade of that one, you have way too much content laying around, right? Okay. Um, so when people are accessing the reports, there is like many versions. Uh, and second, that you might have data inconsistency or data quality issues as well. So um, definitely this was at some point some of the of of the points we saw that we had a lot more content, right? And then you need to have a good governance strategy in place to handle this and um, that you need to then guide the people on how to keep on doing things without going too crazy, so to say. Okay. Data anarchy. It's mm -hmm. uh, something that's it sounds like it's happened and it's something you've had to overcome and work I on think quite everybody, quickly. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, I think this happens to many teams as they also, if you work with uh, more data people, right? It might be yeah. that everybody calculates a different regression model in a different way, right? Or that they do analysis for the same question from different points of view, right? So there is many things where it's not a right or wrong. There is some sometimes like different business approach or data approach mm -hmm. to answer certain questions. So um, for sure, there is uh, then a lot of content generation um, on the data side and then also on the front end side as well. So how do we keep trust levels high when um, we are a victim of our own success, when everyone's using uh, all the tools and data available to them? Um, that's for me uh, when um, you really need to have good data governance um, strategies in place and um, good data management practices. Um, mm -hmm. Probably it's not the sexiest part of data, right? <laughs> Um, but it's like not having any like traffic regulations or right. It's things that you really need so that the world can keep on running and that you don't need them to stop everything and do a big cleanup every X months afterwards. Mm -hmm. um, so you can have, um, I mean, we have, for example, monitoring um, policies for yeah. dashboards, for data sets, for connectors to our warehouse, connectors to other APIs, right? Um, so, for example, many people start using connectors to other APIs, right? But then you see there is connectors that you need to clean this up regularly. And first thing is probably see it as it happens, right? So get notified and you can see, okay, which level of people are building things, right? Um, so what do you need to look into and have proper audits in place for reports, for data sets, for data models, for connectors, for uh, all of these things, because ultimately it can end up in very high cost, right? Depends mm -hmm. yeah. on the cost um, model you have. And um, also in the end, in the amount of data that you cannot manage or you cannot like differentiate what's here, good quality data versus crap data that somebody did two years ago. And um, <clears throat> in the end, yeah, enforcing these policies regularly and not leave it always as the last priority because that's always something a challenge as well when um, there is always so much to do, right? Um, that audit uh, projects are always hard to prioritize, but it's very important that this is done regularly as well. And have rules in place that people understand when they join as well, so yeah. that they understand um, also in relation to um, data privacy, right? What's things you cannot bring, um, what are connectors we don't use, so what are policies that are in place when people 
join, right? So for example, yeah. for us, everybody who joins needs to make a training, which is about our reporting tool and our data. Mm -hmm. And then from there, you have like a video library, which is based on personas, and then you can take different levels. So, but as you go through the levels and you also get more responsibility, there is also like a clear expectation as well of what are things that you can do. And if mm -hmm. You cannot, or if you need to do, then reach out to us, right? Because maybe there is a reason why we need to look at potentially like privacy topics, but then mm -hmm. as they are aware, they need to reach out to us and they cannot just bring anything. Yeah. How, how do you motivate people to keep this enforced? And that's very tough. That's very tough <laughs> because everybody, uh, things go very fast. I feel, um, especially in our environment, things go very fast. Everybody has a lot of priorities. Many people have to deliver. Many people just want to look at one number one time, right? So it's mm -hmm. very hard. Uh, that's why, um, at least for me, that's something I do very regularly, having these tools in place, these monitoring tools where I just need to go and look and see what's happening and then mm -hmm. enforce these things as they happen. Um, but also have, I think it helps a lot to have a really good team around you where yeah. everybody understands this is how we do stuff, right? So when you have uh, the rest of the team as well that understands, it's important that we know can this scale, right? Or it's what I'm building sustainable or I'm, mm -hmm. I'm bringing a connector that has like 3 million rows, right? I need to keep in mind, mm -hmm. I need to look if I use this after one month. So um, I think it's very important as well that the, the whole data team is aware of these things. And um, everybody lives as, as a principle as well. Even if sometimes it's a pain that they also have in mind, this is something that um, needs to happen as well. And it is mm -hmm. difficult, 100%. Yeah. Um, but the alternative is also like then stop everything at some point when things are breaking down or when the costs are too high, right? Uh, or yeah. when the stakeholders are complaining that it's clear what they're looking front end, and then you need to clean up everything. Mm. So it's like an ongoing thing that needs to be constantly. Um, Ideally, yes. <laughs> yes. And how how do you prioritize, um, for example, keeping on top of data governance versus the complex long term goals you've got in the data team? How how do you prioritize and keep the planning? So we try, of course. Um, one of the challenges for all data teams and maybe also the technical teams, right? Many times is how to set your goals so that yeah. you have a business impact, right? Um, because there is sometimes this gap between both. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you cannot truly derive a business goal to a data goal, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so in analytics is a lot clearer, right? But uh, when it comes to data platform, for example, to data infrastructure, it's a lot harder to track if i don't know migrating your warehouse is going to contribute to a business goal right yeah. um, so to make these links sometimes might be very difficult or not possible i think um what works very well is we always try to split between business projects or mm -hmm. projects ultimately yeah. um that are high priority we try as well i think it's important that there is a balance between requests that are needed from the business side right yeah. so things that the business needs right then projects where we think as a data team that this is gonna help the business even if they are not aware of it right mm -hmm. so maybe initiatives that come internally from us 
and then to have space as well for all these infrastructure projects as well, right? To pay the technical debts, um, take care of these auditing staff, because ultimately, otherwise, you will end up having bugs, incidents, right? So yeah. then it can have a massive impact front end. So we try to balance the three of them. We try to always make space for the business projects that make impact. And there we work super, super close with the business in prioritizing our, I want to say quarters, but then we have to do yeah. it very regularly as well. Um, right now we have six weeks cycles, so to say, where we put always like business projects, some projects that are the ones coming from us. And then we always, that's a hard one, but we also always try to put in some space as well for tech debt. Um, that's what we are aiming at the moment as well, that these last ones don't, don't drop, but actually we also keep them on the roadmap as well. Yeah. Do, do you leave space for urgent or quote unquote ad hoc requests? Is that? Yeah. You, you, how much time do you allow for that? Does that vary? That's a very good question. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, we're trying to, I think one of the main problems uh, for infrastructure teams, right? Uh, whether it's data infrastructure or any other pure infrastructure teams, it's it's very hard to show what are actually doing, right? So when you do uh, an analysis, a prediction on something, right? There is like an incoming request and there is an output, right? And there is some yeah. recommendation you can give to the business. And that's very tangible uh, or when you make a sale or when you generate leads, right? But uh, there is so many tasks which are from infrastructure um, point of view, very important, right? But to keep things running, but it doesn't mean necessarily that on the business side, this is something tangible they can understand and, <clears throat> and perceive, right? Yeah. Um, so this is definitely um, one of the main challenges and we try always to make space for that. <clears throat> what we try to do is um, really track everything down that we are doing and then also sit down with the business or some of the people that um, are doing the prioritization with us. And even if they don't understand everything behind it, it gives them more transparency about what's going on, right? Mm -hmm. Ultimately, um, we defined it once as it's like if you have a plaque in your wall, right? When you yeah. plaque something, then the electricity is running, right? And you don't understand necessarily what's happening behind, but um, that's the magic, right? And you, then when you plaque something and it's not working, then everything is problem. So yeah. we also try to explain that our function is very much <clears throat> in this direction. So as long as things are running, we're also doing a good job, right? Even if there is not like sometimes or every time the equivalent of one tangible output. Mm. this is very tricky yeah i think with data when everything's working there's no problems people are wondering what's going on and proving your worth and it's like if you don't hear but if you don't need us and things are working well um how have you found it kind of showing value to the business and, and showing your worth as a as a data function i think this is an ever-evolving uh path as well yeah. Uh, and it's very much about the people. Um, I think when you have people in your team that work close to the business and they make them feel like well taken care of, but also as as a partner kind of mm. relationship, like a business partner of 
um, I get your request and I work on it, but we can also provide expertise or ideas on top or improve your original request, right? So um, even if sometimes it's not so clear what's happening the 24 hours, right? Uh, yeah. When people feel like things are running, um, we respond fast when there is like bugs, incidents, like we are on top of things. We take care of communication. If there is anything, um, we let them know. If there is like any urgency, we take care of these things. Um, when there is the feeling that we are on top of things, um, then people also have this trust in you guys know what you're doing, right? Uh, and um, that there is certain space also for super critical business topics to a certain extent, but then they mm -hmm. also understand that we will have to push back for many things because ultimately we are agreeing already with the business on what are the top priorities and these are the ones we have to work on to drive the company forward, right? Mm -hmm. And that means we don't have capacity to work on everything, um, but we are for sure trying to deliver the best for the company. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely always a, a tricky topic. And uh, I think it's very much based on on trust, on people understanding what you're doing um, and make sure that you try to have also strong communication with them and um, over communicating to a certain extent, yeah. right? let them know even if they don't know so what some projects are about right <laughs> like let them know and talk to them so uh in the end it's very much this um collaboration as well that needs to be super strong with the business side yeah and how in your kind of recent recent experiences how much better has this got how much has this evolved the transparency with business uh, like i say i think it's an over how can I say this like a never-ending story in a way but okay. uh, we we have found good ways right I think there is people who are like they they know and that's fine for them right so they in the back of their heads is I I know what they're doing there is people that sometimes um, we need to be more communicating right and then of course in a company you might also have sometimes change new people right new managers uh, new team leads and so on so that's why i mean it's always like maybe somebody that was taking a role right where you already had a very yeah. good relationship then gets replaced um so then it's like this over always or new joiners right so it's for me it's an ongoing thing always that we need to keep on doing and kind of be aware of don't take for granted that people know what you're doing and that uh, people understand what you're doing as well so, so people understand more than than you think. Yeah, some do, but uh, sometimes, for example, when we send uh, some emails and some communications, I always try to start from the standpoint of pretend that you know people know a lot less than what you would assume, just right. to you know to to make sure, yeah, make sure you're covering all bases. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think this is for sure one of the main challenges with uh, many of the technical teams for sure. Um, and uh, everybody needs to find their own way of collaborating, right? And have also your partners on board, um, whether it's your CTO or your manager, like somebody who can also like vouch for what you're doing, right? Yeah. And, put, like, and say, hey, we are working on these priorities with the business. We're making sure we're aligned and we're making sure that ultimately the things we work on are the things that bring also the highest value for the company as well. Because also on the other side, if you're doing projects and you don't know where they're going for, what's the impact, um, how are people using, I think it's totally also motivating for the team, right? So 
Um, it totally feels that you're on a whole different path when you feel the things you're working on are things that also bring the company forward as well. Absolutely. I think that reinforcement is is key. Um, <laughs> we could talk for much, much longer on these topics, but I'm conscious of time. So we're going to we're gonna finish up with, with, with one question and hopefully a valuable uh, bit of tip bit for, for the listeners. For those who are looking to empower uh, their users, they're starting that journey or they want to do a little bit better. What, what tips would you have? Where, where would you start? I think um, point number one is make a decision about it. So if you want to take this journey, then make sure you have time, you have resources. Don't take it as a, not side project, but something we do like in 1% of our time. Yeah. It's rather better to take the time and, Take a step back, take your team, take your experts, and then define with the business, what do they need? Like talk yeah. to the business, understand what are the problems, what are the limitations, what do they need in their day-to-day, and then take this, sit down with your team and try to transform this into technical solutions, right? Like try mm-hmm. to think, what, how do we translate all these things into something that front-end can make their lives better and yeah. make sure you really put the time in this stage to make sure the design is good because you want it to be like sustainable and something that you can grow on right so it's so worth to invest the time here and resources and the thoughts because it's time that you will save in all the years to come and then um yeah then you just need to make like data models or whatever you need to make the testing and after the rollout um it's really good to have all these data literacy um policies in place so um try to segment your users as well, and then try to find trainings who are valuable for them, don't put them in trainings which are like just too technical or are not related to them. Like, you know, take examples of their day-to-day, right? Like from salespersons, from the marketing person, look at their numbers and teach them things that are important for them and um, try to make some gamification on it. I think like trainings where people need to participate and, you know, like really be there. Um, because it sticks a lot better and um, then try to if you can automate the whole thing in the way of some video libraries like something where you don't need to keep on doing these trainings maybe for everybody who joins but you have something that works where everybody can always actually um, access these resources so that when um, people in the future ask you can you give me an intro about this you forward them there and then if they have follow-up questions then they can reach out to you that would be my blueprint (laughs) Very nice, very nice, valuable, valuable insights. No, thank you for those. Um, but that is unfortunately we have all we have time for today. Uh, thank you very much for your time and uh, your rich you. insights, Christina. Thank you so much. My pleasure. It's been great having you on, and uh, to the to the listeners, of course. Uh, don't forget to like and share so we can reach as many people as possible. But it is bye from us. Thanks once again, Christina. Thank you. Ciao for now. Bye.